Hello, my name is Robin Corcoran, and this is My Life Wildlife. I'm the bird biologist at Kodiak National Wildlife Refuge, and I'm in Kodiak, Alaska. My favorite thing about what I do is that I get to go to work and basically do what I would be doing in my free time anyway. <laughs> so on my time off, I'm often bird watching and, and taking photos of birds. That's like one of my major hobbies. And so I also get to do that you know, during the workday, which is sort of a dream come true. One of the things I really like about birds is the diversity. They're more diverse than mammals. Just within like a single family, you'll have so many different types of behaviors. So not only do you have diversity in appearance, you have diversity in social structure and breeding biology. They're just endlessly fascinating to me. And I, I just never, I never get bored. And plus they're incredibly, incredibly beautiful. As a kid, I just, I was one of those kids that was just obsessed with animals, all animals. And I ended up going to a university where ornithology was huge. And so I think that my focus on birds really started in college. But before that, I just, I just was crazy about everything in the natural world. So I grew up on uh, Long Island, outside of New York City. And you wouldn't think that there'd be uh, a lot of natural habitat to, to play around in as a kid. But I, we were on the South Shore about halfway out Long Island from the city. And there were still a lot of uh, open spaces. And I was lucky one of the houses we lived in, we had uh, woods that graded into a marsh that went all the way down to the beach. And I, I played there all the time as a kid. I loved it and it really connected me to the natural world. I got to do something that I think kids don't get to do as much these days. Um, I got to play unsupervised. Uh, and oftentimes, you know, just myself and a, a few of the neighborhood kids, we were just, we lived back there. I remember the ducks in the marsh. Those were the, the first birds that I really started paying a lot of attention to, especially hooded mergansers. He's just a hot little um, merganser with a, the male has a giant hood um, that he erects when he's displaying to the female. So I, I remember those. I started out my undergraduate career as a fine arts major. I, I had a lot of success with art throughout high school, but the, my art really always focused on wildlife. So I was always drawing and painting animals and, and nature scenes and that sort of thing. As an artist, you're just recreating what, what you see. And that's that's great, but as far as sitting in a classroom and learning about things or, or reading a book about something, I felt like I learned so much more when I was focusing on the biology, the bird biology, the ecology, and the natural history, the taxonomy, every basically every aspect of bird biology really interests me, and I, and I wanted to learn it. So when I started out in fine arts as an undergrad and I was just taking all art classes, I really pretty quickly decided that that was probably not the right route for me. And I was able to talk to a fourth year student who was a wildlife artist, pretty successful one. And he suggested that I start taking more biology classes. And by my second semester, I was taking a lot of wildlife biology and forestry and fisheries courses. And then I changed majors pretty quickly after my first year. And then 
for my senior year, I, I was able to get a work-study job with my ornithology professor, and one thing led to another, and then I just, uh, after I graduated, took a lot of seasonal jobs working for different organizations uh, on different birds all over the country. I think when I was younger, I, I saw like the Western United States, Montana, Wyoming, Colorado as, as, as wild America and I wanted to go there. And then when I got into college, I started to dream a little bit bigger and I just became fascinated with Alaska, just, just simply because it's so wild and there are so few people. And growing up on the East Coast in, in, in New York, uh, I just couldn't imagine what that would be like. I came to Alaska for the first time in 1993 to work on emperor geese on the Yukon Delta National Wildlife Refuge. And it was an amazing experience. You know, we flew out and I spent three months in a, in a tent on the Minokinak River. I worked with nine other people in this field camp. We nest searched every day and we trapped emperor geese and tundra swans and glaucus gulls and we did these tower sits where we'd go up into these towers for three days and we'd look for our marked birds and we weren't allowed to get out of the towers at all. And we would just sit there with a big spotting scope and look for our marked birds and see how many of the emperor goose goslings were still with their parents. And it was really exciting. So the nearshore marine bird community is really important to our region. Just the, that that ecosystem, the nearshore ecosystem, so many people here rely on it for their livelihood. We're the you know, third largest fishing port in the nation. And the Seabirds Act is a really good indicator. We, we don't do a great job in Alaska of studying forage fish because they don't have any commercial value. We look at salmon and we look at commercially important species, but we don't know, you know, lower down the, the food chain, um, lower down on the trophic level, what's happening. And so nearshore marine birds that rely on the same sort of food that salmon or whales rely on, they're common, they're ubiquitous, they're really pretty easy to monitor in comparison to a lot of other species. The nearshore marine bird survey is a pretty big survey. We have a refuge research boat that we use as a floating field camp, we travel around the archipelago. It takes us about three years to survey the whole archipelago because we have about as much coastline here as uh, the entire state of California. My primary inventory and monitoring program is focused on nearshore marine birds. And I also survey mammals. So even though I'm the bird biologist, we have a lot of sea otters and harbor seals that are included in the survey. And I do that in June, and I repeat it in August. In June, we're looking for population estimates and trends of our most abundant breeding species. And then in August, we go back out and we look at productivity. So how well did the breeding birds do? We have a lot of species of conservation concern here in Kodiak. So from, in addition to marble merlet, we have a lot of Aleutian terns. Uh, tufted puffins are now uh, a species of conservation interest, I would say. We have black-legged kittiwakes and glockswing gulls. Those are also two of our most abundant species. And then we have three different species of cormorants, pelagic, red-faced, and double-crested. There are about a dozen species that are abundant enough that we can, we can get good information on population estimates and trends. 
Probably one of the most important is the marbled merlette. It's a, a small relative of the puffins. It's a little brown bird. A lot of people are familiar with it because it's on the endangered species list in California, Oregon, and Washington, and also throughout British Columbia. And it's a very unusual seabird in that it nests uh, rather than out on offshore islands in, in large numbers like a lot of seabirds. It nests solitarily, primarily in old growth. So on like the mossy limbs of, of big forests where you have, you still have old growth. And because of logging in California, Oregon, and Washington, the, the bird has really declined there. So the survey really focuses on that species, but then there are others that are kind of ubiquitous, like the pigeon guillemot, which is very similar in some ways. It's also also a relative of the puffin. They nest sort of semi-colonially, but they're everywhere. So they're a great species to monitor because we get really very little variability around their population estimate, which is great for trend detection. So they're a good indicator species. It also does a really good job with bald eagles because most of our bald eagles, probably about 90% of them, nest within about a kilometer of the coast. They're really coastal here. So we do, uh, we do keep track of the bald eagles. The refuge research boat is the Ursa Major 2, and she's 30 years old and she's 49 foot. She was built in Port Townsend, Washington. She's a skookum. She's a beautiful boat. She sleeps seven comfortably. And we trailer a small aluminum skiff. So we have a, like a 19, 19 foot uh, center console skiff with a 90 horsepower Admarud. And we just use the refuge research boat primarily as the floating field camp. So we travel from Anchorage to Anchorage and that's how we get around. We conduct the surveys from the small skiff. So I'm out there with the crew and my crew is interns. Usually I have uh, volunteers that come up every year, which is great. I get a lot of uh, young, enthusiastic people from the lower 48 to help me out on these surveys. So out on the Ursa Major 2, we, we get up pretty early because we're trying to beat the winds usually. And we try and get off the Ursa Major and onto the skiff for the surveys probably around 7 or 8 a.m. each day. And we work for as long as conditions allow. So as much as we can get done. It's kind of, it's a little bit grueling on the skiff all day long, but um, and it's beautiful. And we see amazing things every day. So we had some spectacular whale encounters on this last survey. Um, we, we do offshore transects that go out to about five kilometers offshore and we got to the end of one and we were just surrounded by humpback whales that were just slowly servicing and breathing all around us, which we turned off the, the skiff motor and just sat there and listened to them. And yeah, it was, it was really beautiful. I live in Kodiak, so I'm really lucky. I get to see some really, really hot birds that birders really want to get on their life lists, but are pretty regular here. Like we get emperor geese and stellar ziders in the winter. Those are two, two species that people really come from, like the lower 48 to see. We get Aleutian terns in the summer. These are species that are just really hard to see that as a, somebody who lives in Kodiak, I'm just really lucky. I saw a Western meadowlark last summer in Kodiak and that I don't know, there might be three state records. And so that was really exciting to see a bird that like you could see all over, but it's exciting for bird nerds to see it someplace 
where it's just hardly ever seen. As a bird biologist, I get the, what is your favorite bird question? And it's hard, I think it changes, but I usually say belted kingfisher. They're really smart, they're really savvy. I, they never let you get close. So as a bird photographer or bird biologist, it's really hard to get close to a kingfisher. And you would think, I mean, they're pretty common. You can see them all across the US. They're, they have a pretty wide range. But I've watched them recently where it, I've seen a couple, they're carrying fish and I know they're going back to a burrow. They dig a burrow and they nest in a burrow. And they, it doesn't matter how far away you are, they know where you are and they'll stop with their fish and they'll just watch you because they're not gonna go back to the burrow while you're watching. And to me, that's really smart. And I just like what they look like physically. They have a giant head with a giant crest and then they've got these tiny little legs. I think their feet are called zygodactyl. They have like two, two fused toes. I think all around, that's the one of the coolest birds with their their tiny little funny feet and their giant head. <laughs> they just are endlessly, endlessly fun. We've been really lucky here at Kodiak to study some of the most mysterious birds. So we've had a long-term study of Kitlitz's merlet, which before we started our nesting ecology study, there had only been like 25 known nests. And then after we studied Kitlitz's merlets, we moved on to Aleutian terns, which is another species that's just really rare and understudied. And I, I would say that, that that's one of the more important aspects of the job, is being able to answer questions about species we know almost nothing about, except that they're declining. And, you know, as, as the agency that tries to determine if these species should be listed, one of the biggest issues with listing them is a lack of information and just basic biological information. And I think we've been really fortunate here on Kodiak to be able to study some of these really uh, just lesser known species and, and answer some really important questions about their biology and the potential reasons why they're declining. This has been My Life Wildlife, a production of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, Alaska Region, Office of External Affairs. Producers Lisa Hupp and Chris Pacheco. Produced and story edited by David Hoffman for Citizen Racecar. Audio editing, sound design, and original music by Garrett Tiedemann. Artwork by Michelle Lawson. In Alaska, the employees of the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service are shared stewards of world-renowned natural resources and our nation's last true wild places. The lands and waters of this place we call home nourish a vast and unique array of fish, wildlife, and people. Our hope is that each generation has the opportunity to live with, live from, discover, and enjoy the wildness of this awe-inspiring land and the people who love and depend on it.